0: down, Hey, how we doing?
1: Hey, yo, lesson here, baby. You come at the king, you best not miss.
2: The Seattle Mariners, they've seen Houston and what they've done for six years. They know what they have to
0: beat. He's an idiot. Don't listen to this. Sh- he's an idiot. As Bregman sends one deep to left field, all the way back to the wall, what a start! Alex Bregman putting the Astros on top 2-0! This team's for real. The division is ours to lose. You can't sleep on the Rangers, man. Ha! Oh, baby! Jose Abreu, you have yourself a serious big man! A lot of people were wondering what it was going to be. Win the division. The Astros have done it again in 2023. The kings of the American League West remain the Houston Astros. I guess we'll
2: never know. I appreciate a good uh, wire reference. Well done, Joe George. That was excellent. The Astros are champions of the American League West. Just like they drew it up. Just like they it. drew it up. Did we? Yeah. The start of the year? Yep. Were you predicting on Friday? I was not feeling really good <laughs> all
0: weekend, to be honest with you, because we—I mean, I held steadfast to the fact that I said it, so I'm going to stay with the fact they're going to win the division. Friday, I was like, eh, probably not.
2: Yeah, that was uh, quite the weekend. Huh? Everything broke exactly like it needed to break. You beat Gallon with Jose Urquidy Ooh, starting on Friday because JP France couldn't make the start. Um, but Architi was, I mean, vintage Jose Arquiti. He was excellent. He was unbelievable. He was great. He maybe's in the mix for a playoff rotation start. We'll discuss a little bit later. Uh, but you beat Zach Gallin with Jose Arquiti, who's making a spot start. First start he's had in quite some time. Then on Saturday, you know Verlander was was good enough. Mm-hmm. He got you through five innings. You scored a little bit, and then Sunday you got the help from the Seattle Mariners. Texas Rangers acted like they've never been there before. They acted like they've never been to the postseason, and they haven't in a long time. They celebrated a little too hard Saturday and lost to the Mariners, kind of JV team on Sunday. Not only did they lose. They just had to score two runs in their division tie, their division champions. They get shut out by Seattle. And I know Kirby was pitching, but they went to the bullpen guys. I had no idea who any of those guys were. They couldn't oh muster a run on Seattle's get of the way, season is done, day. And the Astros took care of business. And again, American League West champions. I watched
0: it, but I and I couldn't believe the announcers complaining about, oh, sure, right. Like, all we need is one run. And they're going to bring in some guy that throws 99 gas with some off-speed stuff. I mean, it's Major League Baseball. Get over it. They sat all their guys after the sixth inning, and that's where I started yelling at the TV that I thought the Mariners were going to do everything they could to lose this thing when they could actually do a solid and win the game, but they did. And let's not forget the one guy that maybe gets overlooked in all that happened this weekend. Jose Abreu was a one-man wrecking crew to make sure that the offense got enough runs to get the job done. And the guy that's maybe been the most maligned of all of the Astros all season long comes up huge in the series when you need something.
2: Yeah, that was um, not how you drew it up. I mean, in going into the weekend, you know, you had the the faint hope, you had the okay, Seattle, let's pull it off. But you also had in the back of your mind, if Seattle's winning some baseball games and you start losing a couple of baseball mm-hmm. games. You're out of the playoffs entirely. But credit to this team for winning another American League Division uh, West Division title. Credit to them flipping the switch. Look, they, they had the final six games of the season were on the road. The final six games of the season were on the road with teams with playoff aspirations. The final six games of the season were on the road with half of the teams that they played in the playoffs shot at Seattle. And you took two of three in the biggest series of the Mariners' last decade. And then, you know, regular season only. And then you go to Arizona, who needed to win, too. And I understand they got help. They were able to clinch the playoffs Saturday with help outside uh, of Arizona. But that's a team that's also in the postseason. And the Astros won both of those series. They took five of six against two teams that would have been in the playoffs That the Astros didn't take five of six impressive we talk about this team all the time being able to flip the switch and we wonder well you know one time you're going to go to that switch you're not going to be able to turn it on well not yet because they went to that switch they turned it on yet again and they win a division championship
0: it it was just amazing i mean everything fell into place like you said they just continued to do what they do to handle their business and and you look at a it couldn't happen to a better city with a better bunch of fairweather fans and a d-bag for a manager than the Seattle Mariners. I mean, you looked at it, and all the little scoffing and the standing ovations for hitting El Tuve, and then knocking Chaz out for the final game of the series with another dot, and then, you know, complaining when your own fan hits your own pitcher with a foul ball in the stands, and and having your manager come out with the bitter beer face, and all the stuff in between, and you're going home. But at least you did us a solid on the way out, handled some business. Won a game that I thought you had no chance of winning no matter what the Astros did. But you're right, Jeremy. From an Astros perspective, couldn't ask for much more for going into those final two series and handling their business the way they did.
2: We always always do some good, bad, and ugly after a a weekend. You mentioned one of them, Jose Abreu. Look, maybe he's turning on the switch himself, trying to get hot for the postseason. He had a hit in every single one of those games. He had at least an RBI in every single one of those games. Uh, That was nice to see. Good for me. I mean, the starting pitching was unbelievable. And this has been an Astros team. And like, Arizona's offense is like, it's okay. Um, they're, they're a team that's kind of built around their pitching. But their offense is good enough. Their offense is pretty good. And the Astros went into Arizona, which is pretty good hitter's ballpark. And they absolutely shoved. And the Astros in the regular season this year, there's been a lot of talk of, well, his pitching staff's not nearly as good as it was a year ago. And I think that's fair. Like, Justin Verlander is aged a year, and he's no longer a dude with a sub-2 ERA and the Cy Young winner from a season ago. I think Fromber—look, Fromber at his best is still what he was a year ago, but Fromber last year was more consistent in all the quality starts. Fromber a little bit this year has been a little bit up and down, whether it's because he's— not starting the All-Star game because he's throwing a guy. Who knows? Fromber at his best is still Fromber at his best last year, but just doesn't have the consistency. Christian Javier? maybe not as good as he was a year ago and definitely doesn't have the consistency. Then you have the injuries of a Luis Garcia, the injuries of a Lance McCullers, but going into the postseason, how do you not feel good about this pitching staff? The bullpen looks like it's locked down again and then in these last three games, fromberg didn't even go, but you got six shutout innings from Jose Arquiti, who even knows if he gets a playoff start. You get five shutout innings from Justin Verlander and then Christian Javier, when you absolutely want to see it, go six shutout innings in the season finale yesterday.
0: No doubt. We thought that it was going to be limited at very best in terms of who you could choose from and what you were trying to do in terms of coming up with four starters for the playoffs. Now it looks like you're in a much better position because of the performance as you just mentioned, because of the fact that Javier now ha- has able to show you a couple of starts where he looks like he might be on the road back because he's not all the way back yet, but at least he's shown you he's closer and could be very close. The fact that you got what you got from Merkiti was the absolute just completely out of nowhere gift that you needed. Uh, and, and he was fantastic. And, and you look at everything that they have with a Hunter Brown and a JP France, basically guys that you look like with, whether you piggyback them, use them out of the bullpen or however you choose to use them, their choices that you would make, but it might be a little further down the line now because of all the guys that stepped up. So you're in a much better position pitching wise than I thought they would be going into the playoffs.
2: And Fridays was so big too, because it could have went the other way. Like, it's, your spot starts are difficult. J.P. France has been pitching better than Jose Urquidy this year. Jose Urquidy's had the injuries, hasn't had a regular turn in the rotation. There's a lot of variables that contribute to Urquidy having a down year. But if that game goes the other way, I mean, you're talking about a momentum swinger in that opener, especially going up against Zach Gallen, So, Jose Arquiti was brilliant. He was the hero none of us thought we needed, except for King of Twitch. He was the hero that we thought we would never see. He got the opportunity. He shoved. He's a big-game pitcher. Never gets rattled. He was fantastic.
0: And it would have affected your playoffs. Because, it would have... Because Verlander pitched on Saturday. We still pitched. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying, but Verlander pitching and pitching that many pitches and not being available then until a, a third game of the wild card had you made the wild card. Everything just literally fell into place for you, so it was you know the utmost best weekend you could have ever asked for or dreamed of if you're an Astros fan, and now it sets you up beautifully for a playoff where you can set up your rotation however they choose to do it after they get through Fromber and Verlander. It looks like they're going to be in a very advantageous position going into the divisional series. So it's been absolutely fantastic.
2: It worked out because you were going to be even, even though you got that start from Rakiti. Like you're going into the wild card series probably with Fromberg. No, probably you were. You would have had Fromberg game one. Who knows in game two? Maybe Rakiti. Probably Rakiti, and then Verlander, and if necessary, game three. Like I was a little surprised how your pitch yesterday because what do you do in a game two if you go to the wild card? But it doesn't matter. Because the Astros win, Rangers lose. So you never have to answer that question like Alex Bregman said. Joe, what was your good? The
1: bullpen. bullpen they they went back in 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, they were absolutely dominant all weekend long. You could not ask for anything better going into the playoffs than what the bullpen was this weekend. They were incredible.
2: You look through the uh, the game on Friday after Keity. You get three shutout innings. Maton, Neris, Presley. You look at Verlander after his start on Saturday, which he went five. So you had Maton, Graveman, Neris, and Abreu combined to go f- uh, four innings. Graveman only got one out. Neris came in and did Houdiniag. Bases loaded one out. Was Wait, able to get he? out of that. He's been unbelievable this year. He might be the most valuable reliever in all of baseball this year. I was looking at baseball reference to look at some of these uh, end-of-season numbers, and there's some weird stat called like championship win percentage. I don't even know what it is. But but uh, Hector Narris leads it by a mile. I think it means That, like, whenever you're in a game, the moments that you do good. It swings the Astros like World Series chances one way or another, and Hector Neris leads the American League by a mile. That's how big Hector Neris has been for the Astros. And then Sunday, this little Bennett Souza guy, uh, Stetson Bennett Souza, who I imagine is going to be on the big league team next year with as good as he's he looked, be. He can't be on the playoff roster though, because right. you acquired him in September. Uh, but he goes an inning, doesn't give up a run. Rafael Montero gives up his one run in a blowout game, and then Hunter Brown. You get to see him in the bullpen. You know, didn't give up a run as well. So the bullpen uh, was nails for the Houston. Astros the bullpen quite frankly has been good all season long for the Astros maybe not as dominant as it was a year ago when they led all of the American League but they're sixth in baseball and you got some and, you got some horses in the back end too
0: and you're seeing signs now that they're getting better yet again they're they're getting re- right at the right time it seems like they're kind of putting it together where we all know what the the back end of the bullpen is going to look like for the most part at least the guys that are going to fill whatever roles they're going to fill but now you're seeing that the rest of the guys that have been a little hot and cold are starting to get a little better. You see a little bit better performance out of Maton. But Naris has just been, to me, phenomenal. I was watching that as it all kind of played out uh, the other night and going, my goodness, this guy, where would you be without him for all the, the, the high-leverage jams that he's been put into that he somehow Houdini's his way out
2: of? I mean, Abreu and Naris I think, have been the two most valuable relievers in the entire American League. And I mean that sincerely. Oh, it's sincerely. not. It's, it's not far-fetched. I don't I don't mean that in a hyperbolic way at all. I would never do that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN-Texans. A lot of doubters last week. saying We were saying that C.J. Stroud's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. Oh, Don't lose your mind. Are you changing that uh, stance at all, uh, Houston listener? Or the stance of the Houston Texans not being for real in the AFC South? Of course, we're going to get to that on a Monday after NFL Sunday. We've got a great C.J. Stroud. Busy show, NFL game balls, mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want. What was your good from the Astros series winning, series sweeping finale to the regular season, getting the American West division title as well? 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97 5. He's at Pac Man on Twitter. That guy over there is at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97 5 and ESPN 92 5.
0: Before we go to the break, I'll tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. If you don't know the name, you should learn it, just like you should learn what the Neograph procedure is, because the Neograph procedure is a game changer for guys that are experiencing pattern baldness, thinning, or just losing their hair all over the place. And, and you thinking that there's nothing you can do about it, but shave your head or use the sprays and the creams and foams that mask the problem. Nope. If you get in touch with doc Linville in his office, if you understand what the Neograft procedure is, you might be in the exact right place to get your hair back and feel better than you felt in a long time about your appearance again. It's fantastic. And the reason why I believe in it, because I did the, the procedure, the Neograft was right for me. Doc walked me through it. I did the procedure. I felt great throughout the entire process. I've seen the results after a good year's time now, and I can tell you from experience, it works. You could be the next in line to get the Neograft, and right now you can check out all the information, ask all the questions, get all the answers, and it's absolutely free to you. It's normally $150. As a listener to ESPN 97.5, all you got to do is go to 975hair.com, set up an appointment, ask questions, get answers, no obligation, no signing on a dotted line, no money out of pocket. Just see if it's right for you. If it is, you can sign up, you can get the Neograft and you can get your hair back. I'm telling you, it can be right for you and it works. Check them out today. Go to 975Hair.com. Tell them I sent you by because I'm telling you the 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 cheater code that I'm going to tell you, 99, almost 99%, 95 to 99% of the follicles that he's going to move are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. And you are going to see them immediately and really reap the benefits in six to nine months. Tell them I sent you by. They're great people, and this procedure's all world. It's the Neograft with Doc Lindell. Go to 975Hair.com.
2: Corey says uh, JV was AL player of the week. I'd almost say it should have been Naris, that man who's Houdini. I've been calling him Houdini Naris on Twitter, Jeremy Branham. I didn't realize that Verlaner won the American League player of the week. It's either. a bit surprising to me. Now, I guess he did make two starts last week, so he was 2-0. Yeah, they announced it
0: right before the show. He was great with uh, the Seattle game. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it's not that big of a surprise. I was looking too much at the Arizona game. Like he went five shutout innings against Arizona. I, th- I didn't think he was all that sharp. He even talked about it in his post game that he, he thought his stuff was good, but his command wasn't. That's why his pitch count got really high ninety four pitches after five, walked three, but didn't give up a run, which is very encouraging. But against Seattle, he was unbelievable. He was he
0: entered the ninth, so he he wanted to go for the complete game, and that was big when they needed it. So he definitely got it for that. Probably
2: entered the ninth. Be without giving up a run. He gave up a run in that eighth, in that ninth inning, uh, but struck out eight. He was uh, he was really good. So I guess it was a deserving honor. But Corey says it would have given it to Hector Neris for his Houdini X. Neris did have an interesting week. He had the dust up with J. Rod. Had to issue a public apology. He was really good in the Arizona series. Uh, but it makes you it makes you pretty comfortable with the bullpen come postseason, which is going to be a bit of a delay. You have to wait until Saturday. I do kind of hate that about the playoffs now. I'd rather not play in the wild card series because, look, I think the baseball playoffs are a crapshoot. I think it's a coin flip, and I'd rather not be in a three-game series. If I can be in a five-game series, I will trade that off for a five-day rest before the uh, division series. It is helpful that the Astros had that delay last year so they can kind of you know figure out what worked, what didn't work, figure out a game plan, et cetera, et cetera. The Braves are doing open workouts and inter-squad scrimmages, and they're opening it up to the fans. That'd be really cool if the Astros cool. did that. You know, yeah. two o'clock, we're gonna have a little inner squad scrimmage, live BP, open it up to the fans, sell a couple T-shirts. Uh, that would be a, a pretty cool thing. I, I wish that they would try to squeeze the wild card series in a little bit quicker. I just don't know how you do it.
0: I don't know either. And you know, and the fact that you're not traveling at all and you're trying to get it done in three days. And I hated the one game, one and done scenario before that. I think this is as good as it gets, and I think it's just something you have to endure and and try and figure out. But at least you get three games, and, and you got a better chance. Both teams have a fighting chance, with the exception of one team being at home the entire time. You know, it is what it is. To this point, I just like it the fact that you struggle for 162, you fight, you 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 know claw and scratch, you get in. And it used to be one game and you could be going home. So at least it's a little better.
2: The only thing that I would uh, throw out there, it'd be very punitive to being a wild card team, but I don't care about the wild card teams because go win a division and finish with a top two record. You can't gripe whenever you control your own destiny, would be to squeeze three games into two. Play a Tuesday, Wednesday, and one of them's a day night doubleheader. I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, now, the wild card teams would throw a fit, yeah. they would hate that. Uh, but it would get that extra, like it would it would reduce a day in the playoffs because now you'd start the division series on Friday. But whatever, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Mesa on the Twitch. Uh, the Twitch says Dusty Baker better get some love. Hey, credit where credit's due. He won a division title. I don't know how you could say uh, on the overall. Dusty did a really good job day to day. He's going to drive all of you crazy. He's going to make yep. your hair gray. He's going to make you you know pound your head against a brick wall. But in the overall, Dusty Baker won a division title when he had a ton of injuries uh, in ter- with prominent players like Luis Garcia, prominent. Michael Brantley, prominent. Lance McCullers, like, we know that he's injury prone and soft, but mm-hmm. prominent. Jose Abreu, uh, or, I'm sorry, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez. So, like, key dudes missed a big chunk of time. So, yeah, on the overall, Dusty Baker absolutely should get some love. Yeah, no doubt about
0: it because of the end result. The same way when we're grading CJ Stroud and we're doing our golf grades and otherwise, winning matters, and you won the division. So you got to a place that I think a lot of people didn't think it was possible for them to get based on how badly they played over the last month of the season, but they got there. The thing is, on the flip side, if you want to play devil's advocate is, if Dusty didn't Dusty as much as he did and Tinker as much as he did down the stretch, would they have gotten there easier? Would it have been... A couple of games that they won the division by we don't know we don't have to know because at least you got there at the end of the day and he does deserve credit for
2: that yeah he deserves credit for for uh leading a team that wins the division title uh in the other stuff like we don't know like you can certainly have an opinion on it but you don't know for sure uh chef on the twitch seven straight playoffs has only happened four times that's a that's a dynasty on its own isn't it I would say that. I was quick to the dynasty trade more than uh, most. And maybe some would argue that I I shouldn't have been at times. I do think that this golden era of Astro Baseball is a dynasty. Uh, Two World Series title, four World Series appearances. Uh, six straight ALCSs, seven straight playoffs only has happened in four. That's, that's a dynastic run from the Houston Astros. I, I said the
0: same. I mean, when you won that second World Series and you've been to four World Series and you've had the run of American League Championship Series appearances and now you tack onto that and you see the graphic last night about the, the teams that have done at least what they have done in terms of consecutive playoff appearances and the things that they've accomplished, I don't think there's any doubt from this show's perspective that they're already there. And the more that they continue to win and continue to do these things when people are ready to write them off and a ton of people are rooting against them, it only solidifies even further the fact that this team has had a dynasty run and it ain't over. That's the biggest thing. It's not over yet. And no matter what they do in this year's playoffs, it still isn't over based on who's under contract and what team you're coming back with next year.
2: Yeah, I didn't... um I don't think it's over either. Like I'm pretty bullish on the future of the Astros because you have a lot of young players that I think are foundational pieces. You know, Jordan's still pretty young. Tucker's still here for two more years, and Jordan's locked up. Jeremy Payne is here for a while. Ooh. Yiner Diaz is here for a while. Chas McCormick's here for a while. And then you look at the pitching staff. Like Fromber still has a couple more years. Luis Garcia is here for a while. Javier, however, however you feel about him, locked up. Hunter Brown, however you feel about it, locked up. Like the Astros still have a really, really good foundation. I, I don't think that they're going anywhere. Triple uh, zero two is GM Bagwell vindicated yet. Mm.
0: I mean, you had three GM Bagwell moves, right? Brantley didn't play three quarters of this, more than three quarters of the season. When you did use them, was he effective? Yes. Was he worth $12 million a year? I'd probably say no. Montero to me still isn't a guy that I trust. Still isn't a guy that looks like the guy that should be pitching his tail off every time. At the money that he's making, you earned every penny in the last last of the season in terms of the value at the end. But again, the whole body of work looked like you overpaid, and you still got two more years of it, depending on how you do or don't decide to use the rest of that contract and his his services. Overall, no, I, I think that all three of those moves should have been evaluated differently, and decisions maybe made differently. But at the at end, the, all else, all's well that ends well. It ended well.
2: Yeah, this is tough because some people. Have trouble compartmentalizing decisions within, like, with the team success. Like, people act like if you win a World Series, everything that you did that year is totally acceptable and totally fine. Like, what if you had, let's just, like, let's make the scenario here where the Astros traded Framber Valdez for some washed up dude that gave you absolutely nothing, but then you still turn out to win the World Series. Was that a good move whenever you compartmentalize it within itself? I, I don't think so. Oh. So, you have to be able to separate the two. Jose Abreu is like he's turned it on. Like he was one of Blanker's goods. I've been happy with what he's produced. Uh, Let's see what he does in the playoffs. But his numbers do not add up to his salary at all. Uh, You look at uh, who was the, was it O'Hearn with Baltimore? We were talking about O'Hern whenever the... Uh, oh, from
0: the, that they got from the Royals. They,
2: they, they literally bought Ryan O'Hearn from the Royals and is on like a really, really cheap deal. He had a much better year than Jose Abreu. Yep. So what would have been the better deal there? Uh, Rafael Montero was one of the highest paid relievers in baseball and did not produce anywhere near... The, the best reliever in baseball. And the Michael Brantley thing, love that he's back. I hope he's a huge factor in the postseason. He missed 130 games. So the money you gave out for Brantley, Abreu, Montero, you combine it all up. You didn't get the production for the money. So, no, I'm not going to apologize for Bagwell. Does it look better today than it did three months ago? Yes. Are all those three guys back and can make case for helping you in the postseason? Yes, absolutely. But the return in the production you got for the dollar is pretty poor still. Do we assume Brantley's back for the playoffs? I mean, he played yesterday.
0: I mean, I know. But I mean, every game or every other game or, I mean, how much is, I mean, how do we evaluate back, it, like on a part-time basis?
2: I don't know. I don't think he's going to start every game. Um, I would imagine that he's not going to play against lefties, period. Mm-hmm. I think when there's a righty, though, I think he's going to start every day, honestly.
0: He's just, right now, the way he's swinging it again, I, I just feel like he's so important. He, I don't want to say he's vital, but he's extremely important to having a, a re, the best offensive lineup you can put out there. It should involve him in some way, shape, or form based on how he's hitting the baseball. I just need him available.
2: The the off days help because in the ALDS, the most you can play back-to-backs two games in a row because there's an off day between game two, game three, an off day between game four, game five. So if he can play back-to-backs, which he has done, Uh, Then he should be good to go in every single game. The ALCS World Series, two games on, off day, three games on, off day. Can he play three games in a row? You know, that's certainly a question, but I don't think he's going to play against lefties, period. So maybe that can factor in to give him some built in off days. But I mean, he's going to be on the roster. I think he's going to play most of the time. Is it part time ish? I think it's more platoon ish than part time ish. It's kind of my stance entering, assuming that he doesn't, you know, that shoulder didn't flare up in the celebration, which, like wouldn't put you past Brantley. And then Lance McCullers gets hurt in celebrations. Remember that cut? Oh, that's what
0: I'm just going to so, go to. Yeah, from the bottle.
2: Yeah, so I'm not, uh, I, until I hear that Brantley's healthy after that celebration, I'm, I'm kidding, kind of. 713 780 ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713 780 3776. Devin, is, uh, is Javier, is this the Javier we get this year? Ah, uh, the one we're going to have during the contractor was just fatigue from the WBC. Your gut, feel. I think Javier's going to be back next year. But, uh, the way he's finishing the year is encouraging to me. His stuff looks better. He's getting more swing and miss. I think he. I, I don't think it's a WBC thing. I think it's more of a conditioned thing. Mm-hmm. And I also think he's a he's a kind of a casualty of the pitch clock a little bit. I, I
0: don't. I don't disagree with that when you brought up the pitch clock earlier in the season. I, I think the other thing is too. He's had a lot of wear and tear on his arm. I mean, these long runs that, that this team has been on. They start to add up and take their toll overall. And you know, you think about pitchers that get an off season, a full off season, to be able to kind of recharge and relax and let your arm rest a little bit before you go back at it. It's kind of comparable to when Yao Ming was playing year round for so many years. At a certain point, it takes its toll on your body, and you have to have a way to kind of recharge. Depending on how it all is, dependent to me on how far this team goes in the playoffs, because he could put a lot of innings on his arm again and have a shorter. It would be great for all of us, but they could have a shorter offseason again, depending on how far they go. But I do fully expect that he's the kind of guy that if he gets some rest and there is no WBC and he can actually take a full off season for the most part, that I think he will be much better again next year.
2: 713-780-ESPN, the HRNP listener line. The Houston Texans flat out dominated. They punked. One of the model organizations in NFL football. Has it changed your feelings towards the Houston Texans? 713-780 ESPN, the HRP listener line. It's the killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. What do you need to do whenever you're in a car accident? You need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. I know that there's always that bugaboo calling a law firm. Well, you know, billable hours. If I make that phone call, how much am I paying? Well, you don't pay till you win with Hollingsworth Law Firm.
0: You're right, Jeremy, and that's a big thing because, you know, I know friends personally that didn't have the money up front to pay for a lawyer but knew they were in the right, knew that it wasn't their fault, and had serious doubts about if they could go to anybody and get the kind of support they needed to make sure their medical bills were paid for, to make sure that their car was restored to the way it was previously, and to get anything for pain and suffering, depending on all the things that they went through. And because of the Hollingsworth law firm, their fears were put to bed and they found somebody that could take care of them. That's the biggest thing. And the other big thing about all of this is, is the fact that they're bilingual. They're going to care about you. And again, the main thing is whether it's insurance companies or you're going actually and and filing a suit. They are in your corner, on your side, and they only get paid when you win.
2: If you or someone you know has been injured in a wreck or car accident, give Hollingsworth Law Firm a call right now for your free consultation. 713-999-8773. 713-999-8773. And you can visit the website at carwrecktexas.com. That's carwrecktexas.com. Killer bees. ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. He's blank. I'm Branham. Uh, Texans dominated yesterday. I mean, they flat out dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. That wasn't. Uh, I'd be embarrassed if I'm a terrible tile guy. I'd be embarrassed if I thought the Pittsburgh Steelers were a playoff contender. They came into Houston and they got flat out whooped. I think we're kind of underappreciating the dominance that the Houston Texans showed yesterday against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that, look. They haven't had a losing record since Tomlin got there. They're very much a team that people would talk about as kind of being a dark horse playoff team, if not a flat out playoff team in the AFC. And they came into Houston and got whooped, thirty to six. Texans blow them out, and then you look at like some of the numbers. Just look at total yards. Texans had four hundred and fifty-one total yards to the Pittsburgh Steelers' two hundred and twenty-five yards. That was a domination. Well, and it's not just that, Jeremy. You know, And you were out Friday when we were
0: talking about it, and I thought, I I didn't see this coming. I'll be the first to admit it. And I didn't think it was going to be this easy. And one of the big things that we were all focused on was with a makeshift offensive line that just got worse because of the fact that you were losing someone else and you were having Mr. Duculous put right in where you didn't want him to be against Mr. Watt, who you didn't want him to see. You thought, oh my God, how many sacks are they going to rack up? How bad could this be? No sacks? The fact that they did whatever they wanted Almost the entire game and across the board, not just the stats, but just the eye test told you the better team was in red and the better team was dominant throughout the entire contest was not something I was expecting to see. And I was so ecstatic when I did.
2: Yeah, this was uh, an incredible performance. And does it change your outlook of the Texans? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Like, we started to look at the schedule last week. You know, the, look, the the way that the games worked out yesterday, there's a four-way tie in the AFC South. The Texans defeated last year's champion in the AFC South on the road. Now, they were beat up pretty good. Same whooping that they gave to the Steelers. The Colts gave them in Week 2, although the Texans fought back. We're in that game. Texans, I think, are much better today than they were uh, in Week 2. Like I think this division very much in play. Quite frankly, I think that the the it's mostly because of the schedule and because the division stinks. Do I think the Texans would be in comp, like in the divisional race in the AFC West? No. Would they be in the divisional race in the AFC East? No. NFC East? No. So this is like because of your situation, but you can play the schedule that you're given. Right. You play in the division that you're in. There's no reason that the Houston Texans can't be in the hunt all the way through the end of the year. And why wouldn't you want that and be excited about that and think that, hey, look, the bottom
0: line is, is if they're ahead of schedule, then that's just another feather in the cap of everyone involved with putting this team together and, and starting with D'Amico Ryans and getting the most out of him. I think he outcoached Mike Tomlin. I think you heard Mike Tomlin after the game start talking about, oh, changes are coming because they got to try and do something different because they got it handed to them. They got it absolutely handed to them, and in a situation where if you just looked at it on paper coming in, the advantages should have said the Steelers could have really taken advantage of a dinged-up Houston Texans offense, and you know what they're going to do but they couldn't stop him. That was the greatest thing. They got the running game back on track. Stroud looked like Stroud yet again, and the receivers looked way better than we thought they were going to be at the start of the year. And that line and the way they kept a lot of extra bodies moving around where you didn't see a whole lot of different stunts and things that I thought you'd see from the Steelers to get their pass rush to really kind of throw the Texans offense for a loop. And as much as when we were critical, and I think obviously very deservingly so in that Colts game of the fact that Slowick And and, and D'Amico did not have great games. They had great games yesterday. They had great game plans yesterday. And that's why you saw the dominance of the Texans yesterday.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on this coaching staff. Now, I didn't... The the opposite of the Steelers coaching staff. Like, the one area that I would attack the Texans' defenses with a lot of misdirection, like use their swarm against them, which I thought the Colts did a masterful job at. You didn't see any of that from Pittsburgh yesterday. I was like, "Oh, this is like not creative. This is not exposing the Texans for some of their weaknesses." But hey, we're here for it. Um, Slowick was great. The fact that Slowick and this is a testament to this is a testament to everybody. Stroud, Slowick. The patchwork offensive line that is becoming the patchwork offensive line. Uh, Tight ends helping in the blocking game. Running backs helping in the blocking game. The fact that the Texans have not given up a single sack the last two weeks after we were having the conversation after week two in which Stroud had been sacked 11 times, led the NFL at the time. We were talking about him breaking David Carr's record of 76 sacks. This is still a patchwork offensive line that's honestly gotten worse. Should get better next week in whatever combination you put the five in that you put the five in, the fact that they have not given up a sack in two weeks shows me Stroud is mature beyond his years, and it shows me this coaching staff knows what they're doing.
0: No doubt about it. The fact that I kept watching And it was twofold, right? That's why I said, and you're right, I I give advantage to the entire Texans coaching staff over the Steelers coaching staff because I would have expected to see Minka Fitzpatrick all over the place looking at blitzes, looking at ways that he could also get into the backfield quickly like I saw him do in the first couple weeks of the season, maybe corner blitzes, moving around Highsmith and Watt, doing a lot of different things to take advantage of that. But even before the game when Watt said, I'm not going to go over there, I'm not going over on I like I like being where I'm at. And I thought, wow, that's—I can't believe they're going to try that. But to Slowick's credit, between fullbacks, tight ends, guys in motion, and all the ways that he mo- kind of moved the pocket too, he was ready for anything the Steelers brought to them. There weren't any wrinkles that seemed to catch him off guard. And really Stroud looked like that
2: he could do whatever he wanted to do and that was extremely surprising. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna break down Stroud like deep dive, but Stroud again was good. Like the the he's the type of quarterback and this speaks to your receiver thing. Like why do the receivers look better? I think quite frankly, it's because they have a solid quarterback throwing them the football. Stroud's going to be a matchup guy. Stroud's going to be get the ball to the open man. It's why Nico Collins had a big game this week. It's why Tank Dell had a big game the week before that. Mm-hmm. It's why Robert Woods was tied for the, lead, the uh, team lead in receptions. Uh, the Dalton Schultz uh, touchdown was not thrown by C.J. Stroud, but he had that nice seam route over the middle. It was a beautiful ball uh, to, to Dalton Schultz. CJ Stroud is going to be a guy that attacks like mismatches. He's going to throw it to the open man, and that's why the receiver room looks a lot better across the board. Whether it's Nico, whether it's Robert Woods, is a rookie playing really well for being a rookie. John Mechie starting to come along as well. It's because CJ Stroud knows how to distribute. I think he's a, like he's the point guard of this offense. And the Texans had ten drives yesterday. They scored six times. That's amazing. They, they, I thought they left some meat on the bone, oh. and C.J. Stroud was the first one to mention that. But if you score six times in an NFL game out of ten drives against an NFL defense it's pretty good in the Pittsburgh Steelers, your offense is clicking.
0: And if you weren't a believer before in them believing in Stroud and Stroud being able to be that guy that does those kind of things to make people better, but also make his entire team better, they were trying to do ball control late. They were trying to do some things to try and run some clock. And and, and the throw that he made on the run with touch down the field was absolutely where it had to be. It was so picture perfect that that's the one that if you didn't have an eye-opening moment before, you sat there and you went, oh, he gets it, he's good, and the touch that he has is kind of special. I mean, it's above what anybody even thought coming out. And when you look at quarterbacks that are currently in the league and have been in the league for multiple years – you can't say there's a lot of guys that have the touch on the run while where he put that ball placement yesterday.
2: We were talking about last week. Put on the film, like, oh, you guys are hyper, like overreacting to this CJ Stroud guy. Like, go, go watch, watch the again. throws that he's making on the football field. No, I haven't seen anybody say that this week. We saw it a little bit last week after you know the win against Jacksonville. You know, against Baltimore first game, I didn't see, like, special. I didn't see any elite throws in the Baltimore game, which, again, like, that's his first ever NFL game. He's a rookie. He just needs to hold his head above water, get used to the speed of game. Colts, you started to see something in the second half, but you're like, okay, you know, is this because the Colts are playing back? Is it because the Colts are dropping seven, sending four, where Stroud can just kind of nickel and dime his way to 300-whatever yards? So you still had, like, those questions a little bit, although if you watch the film, he's making incredible throws. Jacksonville? And then yesterday against Pittsburgh, this dude is legit. He's the truth. He is legit. He
1: he's for real. Uh, it is stunning watching him play quarterback in the NFL and being this good already. Because like like every if you watch any other game, you watch red zone for ten minutes, you are going to get stuck watching quarterbacks <laughs> who've been in the NFL for one, two, three, four years that are terrible. I mean, we saw that this weekend. Like of the last, like if you go back to the Trevor Lawrence draft, right? The only quarterback drafted since Trevor Lawrence that's better than – well, no, none of them are better than C.J. Stroud I don't think so. Like, it's only Trevor Lawrence. He's better than all the other four quarterbacks in that, that class. That might be a debate. And it might be a debate. He's definitely better than Pickett. He's definitely better than the other guys in this last draft class with mm-hmm. him. Like, he he's playing absolutely incredible football.
0: This guy is legit. He's polished, too. You know, both on and off the field, he's polished. And we talk about what he says off the field, how he handles press conferences and other things. But what he does on the field in terms of that polish of making the reads, the right decisions, knowing when to move, when to stay. doing the, He's doing things that Deshaun couldn't figure out in his rookie year in terms of not extending a play too far, but, not, not putting himself in lost situations. He's doing way more than most quarterbacks, especially in their rookie year. But even, where,
2: even Deshaun, though... Like, that's still an issue. Like, a lot of times these quarterbacks don't correct that. And he's not doing it in game four. Like, and he even talks about that. Like, that's the other thing. Like, his demeanor, his high S2 for the position, I think is is on another level. He talks about, I can't make negative plays or I'm going to put this team behind. Like, that is his demeanor. That is his focus. I can't take a sack. Uh, Somebody in the Twitch said no interceptions. We've talked each and every week about how C.J. Stroud has had one near interception in every game up until yesterday. Did you see one yesterday? he did yesterday. not. I didn't see one yesterday. And some of the, like, couple of the um, the first two games, he was doing that rollout, just like heaving the ball up the field. You're like, you can't do that in the NFL. He had two or three plays like that yesterday. throw it, away. it away. Second sure row. That's perfect. Yep, that's what you got
0: to do because you don't take the big loss. And you're right because Deshaun had the mentality of, I can out-athletic and outrun a bad play that looks like it's headed for loss. Mm-hmm. And then he got caught and it really set them back. The mentality and the maturity of a guy to be able to say in his first year or any time in his career, especially when you're athletic and talented, that it's not all on my shoulders. I can't try and do it all. I need to make sure that we live to see another play and not have like a second and 15, second and 17 situation. It's unbelievable that he's already there and doing those things. And then when you top, on top of that, when you put the touch in there, with so many quarterbacks, it takes their whole career to try and get better touch, and it's so hard to do, and not a lot of guys can do it. And he's already got that skill set that's a big, big gold star for him.
2: Pocket, mani- uh, pocket manipulation. His poise, his accuracy. I didn't even think he was that accurate yesterday. His layered touch. His touch. His like his leadership, which he's like, he's what you want from a leader. Like, hey, CJ, you're great. No, I'm not great. My guys are great. Hey, CJ, y'all stunk offensively. That's on me. It's what you want out of a quarterback. It's what you want out of a leader. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Uh what? Does your opinion change at all? Did that game yesterday, the domination for the Pittsburgh Steelers, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, did that change where you're at with the Houston Texans? 713-780-3776, Killer Bs, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Let's give away, well, we, like to, we like to take care of you. We like to take care of you, the listener, especially on a Monday, following a couple of wins, Astros winning a division title and Sections winning a football game, the heavy metal band Avenged Sevenfold is coming to Houston for their Life is But a Dream Tour, which makes the band's first time touring in five years. Caller 10 to 713-780-3776 wins a pair of tickets to see Avenged Sevenfold at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion presented by Huntsman on Thursday, October 12th, a week from Thursday. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com. Here's a few texts, 713-780-3776, HRP listener line, 4187. I see the Homer hats are back. What are you guys going to do if they make the playoffs? We're going to celebrate 4187. I'm going to wear that Homer hat with pride. Look, if you're hating, like if you're hating, look, Texans might go 7-10. and they, they still might go 6-11. and I think it is still very difficult for a rookie quarterback to win in the NFL, although C.J. Stroud does not look like a rookie, if we're being completely honest. That defense did not allow a touchdown yesterday. I don't think the Steelers' offense is great. You don't allow a touchdown to an NFL team. You're doing something. If you're still hating just for the sake of hating, like you're going to miss out on one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL in a few years. And you're missing out on a team that's well-coached with D'Amico, Slowick. I think Burke's doing a good job. The position coaches, obviously. Especially the O-line coach. I need to learn his name. Um, you're missing out on an up-and-coming team in the NFL, quite frankly.
0: 4187 is obviously in a position where every he he just wants to focus on the negatives. What's so wrong with being excited for the first time in God knows how long about your football team? What's so wrong with finally realizing you got the right coaching staff, starting with the head coach? You got a quarterback for the first time in a long time. You've got players you can actually watch and be entertained by and believe in. You've got a team and a system that looks
2: like they know what they're doing. What is so wrong with that? I don't know if there's anything wrong with that because the team has struggled for quite some time. That it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's great to have a good quarterback in the NFL. 9193 uh, is embrace the suck over, or do I rather have one more year of high draft picks? I, I'm fine. Look. You don't have your first. Y- you don't have your first, but you have a first. But, but it doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with your play, right. though. So
0: embrace the suck, for me, was a two-year program. And so whether you liked it or not, it was over after two years for me. Now, I didn't see and anticipate the trade coming, but the fact that you've seen what you've seen out of the players you brought in. I mean, getting Tank where you got him and already getting what you're getting out of him. And the bigger thing is why you could put a embrace the suck behind you is because before, no one wanted to come here. Coaches were not wanting to come here as head coaches. Players certainly in free agency did not want to think about the possibility unless the money was just incredible, which it wasn't. There was no, you weren't capable of doing that at the time. But now you're going to see a lot more players line up to want to come here and join in and be a part of what's going on in Houston. So I think that you can say embrace the suck is behind you because now you're taking that first step forward. To pro- progress and the progression necessary to become a consistently winning team.
2: Dab says, uh, "Embrace the suck is over." I agree. Yep. Like this is this. Be- Whenever you traded the first round pick, the embrace the suck was over. Yep. Quite frankly, I-, I was slow to jump on the C.J. Stroud bandwagon. Uh, still have reservations about the trade, et cetera, et cetera. But I want this team to win. At the, the embrace the suck ended the day you made the trade. The fact that C.J. Stroud's playing on a level that I, quite frankly, had no idea he was capable of doing in his rookie season. That embrace the suck is long gone. Like To me, this is a go win a division title in year one with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. I think it is in play because the schedule stinks so bad.
1: I think our, our hashtag that we made, is isn't good enough.
2: What was it? Uh, the suck stops here? The,
1: the suck stops here. We had two. We had the suck stops here, and it could be worse. It could be worse. definitely does <laughs> that not apply.
2: Let's delete that. That
1: was one. has gone. Let's yeah. delete
0: I looked that at those now. this morning, ironically, ironically, That's funny. and thought, man, we may never use either one of these, they may not come here? into play. I
2: think the suck stops here is still... It's I think in it's, play. I think it plays. It I think it plays. plays for the season, because last year was sucked. The year before, that sucked. The year before, that sucked. This year, the suck is stopping.
1: Yeah. yeah now it's, it's beat the sucky teams. Like you, you should be five and two. Like, look at their schedule. That's where I, you I'd could be, get caught in a trap. Yeah. I just, I'm looking, I that to that. Bye.
2: I want them to be three and three by the bye. They could be four and two by the bye.
1: I definitely think they're better than Atlanta. Yeah. And then the following week is Saints. The Saints. I mean, if Derek Carr is throwing like that, they couldn't beat anybody. They look, we, those in the games NFL. are beatable.
2: Like their mean, dogs, they're against are winnable. The yeah, their dogs against the Falcons. That's going to be a tough. I mean, you're on the road. That defense is that defense is pretty good. I think Vegas is missing the Texans, though.
1: I think so too, because like Arthur Smith is meeting with the media today and having to say yes, Desmond Ritter is our still our starting quarterback. Why Maybe is Arthur weekend. Blank doing that? Arthur Smith. Well, oh, I, I thought
2: you said Blank yeah. for some reason. You, you might have. I, that might have been um, my fault.
1: But like, they, you know, they said that like Desmond Ritter is still our starting quarterback. You're talking about a team that's thinking about going to Taylor Heineke. Like you're, yeah. you should beat the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. Let me tell you, you are something. Road games are them. tough. Yeah, road road, road is tough. tough. Ritter
0: Ritter was awful yesterday.
1: Are they not going to be any better? It doesn't matter. If it's home or road. They don't know how to throw to Kyle Pitts. They barely throw to Drake London. Like you are better than the Atlanta Falcons. Heineke makes should. them a better team, in my I, opinion. I 100 percent agree.
0: But that's on them. If they don't, and especially if they don't want to play them, kudos to you know bonus for you. You go in and play a guy that looked absolutely horrible yesterday. And maybe that's the advantage you need going on the road because it is so difficult to win on the road. And, you know, I watched Green Bay go in there and think they had a victory for three quarters and then go scoreless in the fourth quarter thanks to their the Atlanta defense and a lot of bad decisions by the Packers. And you look at it and go, hey, you can't screw around and just start feeling good about yourself and start checkboxing wins before you get them. Yeah, you could go four and two. Yeah, you could put a string together here. But if you come out of this, you know, with a couple more wins, you could be in a really good position with a bad schedule and a bad division.
2: A four three seven, a Kenny Pickett ran offense isn't really an offense that I brag too much about uh, being able to keep TD lists. But for a defense that looked the way it did the past two seasons, I'm going to brag my butt off. Look, Kenny Pickett's still okay. Like Kenny Pickett's still. Uh, can, came into this year as a top twenty, top twenty-five quarterback in the NFL. But if you don't want to credit the defense for not giving up a touchdown, okay. How about over four hundred and fifty yards against a defense that's supposed to be pretty good? How about over a hundred, over four hundred and fifty yards against a team that has not done that since they played Buffalo in Week Five of last season? How about not allowing a sack that has T.J. Watt the on the thing. other side? Hadn't a lot of sack in the last two weeks. Like this team is starting to come together.
0: No, it's gelling on both sides of the football. And, and when you look at it, how about how many times when I was just saying what the Steelers didn't do to try and take advantage of that patchwork offensive line the Texans had to try and really kind of wreak havoc in the backfield and on C.J. Stroud. Instead, think about the team that did what you were supposed to do. Think about how D'Amico and the guys schemed up what they did so 2-0-2-0 was in the backfield. Everyone was in the backfield. Every time that Kenny Pickett, whether good or not, turned one way or the other way, someone was in his grill making sure he wasn't going to extend a play or get some chunk play because of the fact that he was using his legs and no one was there to to, to cover the edges. They were all over the place. Their secondary guarded well. I mean, the fact that Griffin came in and did what he did in place of Stingley and looked like he was doing his job quite well
2: is just another big advantage the Texans got yesterday. And that's also coaching, like it really is. Uh, You'll like allowing the replacements to come in and doesn't look like you really miss a beat. Uh, Two one two eight. How nice is it to finally reach the point of the rebuild where a desk jockey is in the face of the franchise? Is he talking about Casario there? Is Casario the desk jockey? of that. Uh, it is good. It is good to have a face of D'Amico and C.J. Stroud. Uh, 5038, Eric the Driver, he says, Sunday didn't change my outlook, but it definitely improved it. Okay. Isn't that changing? It has to be. Isn't that a change, Joe? Joe, you're usually the judge jury executioner of the show. Sunday didn't change my outlook, but it definitely improved it. Isn't that the definition of change? Improved my outlook but didn't change it? What am I missing here? Uh,
1: I guess, like, he still thinks they're only going to win, like, five Games, but he's happier with where they're going.
2: Huh. See, I was fully expecting them to take the Yale, especially with the O line looking the way it is. That's where I was. Uh, for them to not only win but dominate the way they did, I'm very excited for the future. That's where I'm at. I, I didn't expect the Texans to win this game. I thought the offensive didn't line you? was just going to be too much to overcome. No, they scored 30 points against a good defense, had over 450 yards with that offensive line. It's incredible. Here's the thing: you got to go back and look at if you're somewhat skeptical
0: about saying giving them enough credit is the fact that when you take the same. Kind of caliber of situation with what the Vegas Raiders did against, had to face against the Steelers. The Steelers were dominant. They were all over the place against the Raiders. They were, they were mixing it up. They were getting to the quarterback. They were doing a lot of things they weren't able to do against you. And that should tell you that this team is advancing. It's moving forward. It's making progress. It's doing things better from week to week because we've seen it from the Colts game to now to where you should just be excited about the future week to week and long term for this team. Yeah.
2: Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six things a quarterback you trust over a quarterback you don't gives you what as an NFL franchise what a Stroud a quarterback you trust assuming you trust CJ Stroud what does that give you from a Houston Texan perspective seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six Killer bees ESPN 97.5. and ESPN.